Welcome back to another episode of the Hello Law podcast. Our special guest today is Jennifer Yates, a training solicitor currently sitting in the commercial real estate department. Jenny studied economics and international relations at Lancaster University, and then went on to do the GDL and LPC at BBP before being awarded a training contract in 2019 and joining the firm in September 2020. Jenny has some brilliant insights into coming into the legal sector, having done a non-law degree, the value volunteering can add, and training at the firm. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here on the show. Uh, I think, as usual, you'll know from potentially listening for our podcast, we always like to start by asking our guests a bit about their background. And with you, after a bit of a review of your profile, we thought, well, why don't we start by looking into the fact that we know you studied economics and international relations at university. I wanted to ask you if there was a reason for choosing this degree over, for example, studying law. And whether you think this has the subject matter you covered been helpful during your subsequent legal studies and applications and the training contract process. I did know that I wanted to go down the law route before I applied to university. It just happened that lots of people that I spoke to about a career in law had also done sort of non-law degrees and sort of said to me that like don't necessarily think that the only the only degree that you can do if you want to go down that route is a legal one and so I think I always like the idea of sort of doing a joint honours degree being able to like dip into two different subject matters that also sort of complemented each other quite nicely and yeah I definitely think that having that sort of background in economics and international relations has been helpful during sort of like my GDL and um, my LPC and also during my training contract. I think they're both sort of very applicable to current affairs. I think they both touch on the legal world in really different ways. And I think that, yeah, it's a, it's, they're both good things to have sort of an understanding of when working in any sort of industry, especially in law. International relations, I can understand, but economics, that's a lot of numbers. And I don't know if I could do that. It's notorious that lawyers don't do things with numbers because that's not what we're good at. Um, there, I really enjoy mathematics. So I, it is, it is like really frustrating at first, but there is something really, really like rewarding about going through all of that work and like getting like, a right answer um but i don't think i definitely knew that i didn't want to be an economist or sort of do it forever um but yeah it was quite nice to do for three years <laughs> just not forever <laughs> no not forever <laughs> i think a lot of our our intake at least has have done non-law degrees um and we were obviously speaking to ollie not too long ago on his episode and he said that he found the gdl and the LPC okay but did you find doing a law degree sort of crammed into a year on the GDL and then doing the LPC fine because of this background you had in economics and international relations or did you find it a little bit challenging and if you did find it challenging how did you overcome those? There were definitely challenging times through both of them I think they are quite 
difficult courses people always you know like to compare them and say oh you know well the LPC is so much harder or the GDL is so much more difficult um I think they're they're equally challenging in different ways um I'd say the GDL I did find slightly more difficult but I think that was because I just moved to London at the time and sort of was exploring like this new city that I'm absolutely adore and then sort of like making sure that I keep kept up with all my studies um and it can be particularly demanding at times like during like I really really remember my um GDL exam period being particularly grueling because there were a lot of exams um and yeah getting the DLR um line out to the Excel center um to like take an exam and like what's like an airline hangar was quite a, <laughs> quite a joyful experience but um no I uh I was still really happy that I decided to take the route that I did and I also met some really great people on those courses that but you're all in the same boat you're like doing applications you're going through interview processes it's really good to be around that sort of environment yeah definitely and I think it sounds like very challenging also the way you explain them with all the exams piling up together like we've all experience yeah. that sort of thing but it's definitely a challenging uh, time so yeah and obviously having spoken about your economist background let's say we can also turn to the question that we tend to ask all of the trainees that come on the show which is where you knew you always knew that um, law was the route that you wanted to go down and whether there was a specific moment that led you to choose it or was it something that was always sort of in the back of your mind definitely think it was always at the back of my mind it was always sort of a career I kept coming back to um I think you know you have these moments where you think, oh maybe I'd be really good at that or maybe I'd be really good at that um I mean anything medical was ruled out pretty early doors because I don't I'm not very good with anything sort of um any sort of blood or anything like that <laughs> that was never gonna be no, same. um and yeah, um, I definitely considered other things, but I think there was something about like, yeah, pursuing a legal career that always sort of I came back to. And then by the time I was, you know, doing my A-levels, I was pretty, pretty set on that. So we couldn't have had Jenny Yates, head of neurosurgery. Oh. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. time. I suppose it's a hard thing to choose what you want your career to be. And then when you get into law, you have the additional choice of, do I become a barrister? Do I become a solicitor? Do I do something different altogether? And unlike, I think, a lot of the other trainees that are at our firm at the moment, you actually undertook a mini pupillage at Hindcourt. So a mini pupillage was something that I always wanted to do, but none of them ever wanted me. So one nil, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> very foolish chambers not getting Sophie involved <laughs> <laughs> what was your experience um like on that mini just you know for my own benefit so I can vicariously live through you and for the benefit of the listeners um and do you think that that experience on the mini helps you decide whether to become a solicitor rather than a barrister or was was it something that you sort of figured out later on so um yeah I think it was it, firstly, it was like a really, really interesting week. Um, and it was just lots and lots of courtroom experience. Um, and it, it confirmed sort of like 
my passion for for law really um and met some incredibly impressive people with fantastic advocacy skills um and it was yeah it was great to be around that um it was yeah it was also really good to sort of have like a to see um sort of counsel and solicitors working together and how the different roles that they took on in respect of sort of different clients and the different needs they needed to fulfill um, and that's something that I still draw on now. Um, but yeah, it definitely did confirm to me that I sort of wanted to take the solicitor rather than the barrister route. Um, I think the main thing for me is I'm really, I really thrive in a team setting and with other people. Um, and, you know, as a solicitor, that tends to be more commonplace. But yeah, it just, it did sort of confirm to me that, you know, that solicitor route was the one for me yeah yeah exactly and that's the sort of the the benefit of doing these sort of experiences anyway even if you're not sure which uh career choice you're going for it just it lets you experience it first time then that gives you a better idea of whether that's something you'd be interested in and it's something that we've talked also with uh ollie uh when he came on the show like the importance of doing work experiences as much as possible and from we know from your background that you completed quite a lot of them. For example, at Bus Morton Law, Erwin Mitchell, Doll Clayton. Uh, you worked as a receptionist, also at Crips, a legal administrator at Legacy Billerstrom Dyson Bell and Commercial Real Estate Department, and also paralegal at Pinson Masons. That's a lot of work experience compared to my profile. Has barely got any. <laughs> How useful were these opportunities for you in sort of building the skills that you then needed to get a training contract? I think, yeah, definitely very useful. I mean, they're all like really a real range of mm. um, like legal environments, which I think is really good to know what you like I think if you only ever work in one law firm then you know you'll you don't know what else is out there and you might have your personality or your work like style might be a better fit for somewhere else so it definitely it was helpful in thinking about what I wanted what sort of practice areas I was you know interested in and therefore like what were the prerequisites of the law firms that I was going to apply for because I knew that I wanted, you know, why I applied to BDB. I wanted somewhere with sort of, you know, that that breadth of um, practice areas, which we're lucky enough to have here. And so I think, yeah, being able to sort of like pull on what did I enjoy there? What, what didn't I enjoy too much there? Um, and yeah, also just, you know, beginning to work in a law firm, it's, it's great to sort of understand the work that needs to be undertaken. I think there's this real shame around people moving to different firms, just people thinking like, oh, you won't be reliable. But actually, when you think about it, as you say, the only way you're going to know if you like to work somewhere is by working there. And you mm -hmm. can't always necessarily be given a VAC scheme or an insight day. So I think, you know, it's amazing that you managed to get so much experience because you've ended up somewhere that you've really really enjoyed and you know you yeah. might not have done that if you had say stuck at one firm just because you felt like you had to yeah completely and you know that there is definitely like loyalty to your firm is good but not at the you know um not you know sacrificing your development and your uh, your especially when you know i was 
in university or even younger in some of those instances and so it, it yeah you just you need to put yourself first and try and get as much variety of experience as possible I think that's really important exactly you can't just sacrifice your development and like at the expense of yourself just to look a certain way as you said yeah and, and if if that wasn't enough experience if, if Ludo hadn't listed enough experience <laughs> with you holding up the legal industry um, <laughs> you you have also some really really interesting volunteer experience so um you volunteered at both the citizens advice bureau and at african dawn wildlife sanctuary which are two very different um entities so i think it'd be interesting to dive into both of those to start off with the Citizens Advice Bureau, who I also applied to, and they never got back to me. So that's 2-0 to Jenny. Oh, no. <laughs> um, was there a you reason? You should have applied to the North Lancashire branch. We were definitely in need of <laughs> as many hands on deck as possible. <laughs> <laughs> was there a reason that you decided to to volunteer with them? What kind of things did you get up to? I know they have a couple of different roles at the CAB. Um, and were there any skills that you picked up during your time there? Um, so, yeah, initially wanted to get in. I just wanted to volunteer whilst I was at university because, I mean, it, at one point, I I think I had like five hours of contact a week or something for a term. And I was like, you know, I think, you know, Sophie knows by now that I am someone that likes to be like proactive and doing things and that was not the life for me so I was like <laughs> I need to fill my day with something so and then I thought you know why not do something that's actually going to be sort of like relevant for what I want to do once I graduate um and so yeah it was a uh, had to do quite a bit of training for it um but obviously you're sort of um doing sort of gateway assessments of people that come in um, with a, a variety of different issues in their life. And, you know, it, it was it was fairly it was fairly difficult at times. I mean, you know, you have some people that come in and they're sort of, you know, having issues with perhaps like a landlord and they're, you know, struggling to make rent and saying you know looking across from you and saying oh you know I my children haven't gone to school this week because I just can't afford to you know get them into school um like pay for their bus fare and that's obviously pretty heartbreaking um but it it, it did it did really you know throw me into the front line of people looking for that sort of initial initial advice um a lot of it was yeah fairly emotional but it was you know you sort of act as a bit of a signpost to resources that they can use um and then I I didn't stay long enough to become an advisor but if um you know following this initial meeting that I would undertake if um they you know needed actually you know some proper legal advice then you would uh, you know set them up with a meeting with one of the advisors at the bureau um but yeah it was a it was a pretty um I'm, I'm the words escaped me but yeah it definitely was um that really brought you back down to earth with some of the stories that you heard um and some of the yeah some of the situations that people were in um but it was it was 
it was fulfilling to be able to you know provide that little bit of advice and as I said earlier sort of signposting them towards various resources that were like really helpful to them and able to make those like steps forwards to trying to you know make their life and the reason that they came in much better and I do think it's a, a really fantastic organization um and I was yeah I was really happy that I was able to work there yeah definitely I think the work that the Citizens Advice Bureau does is integral you know for people who just don't necessarily know where to start looking or can't mm. access legal advice you know they can't pay for it or something like that so yeah I think it's an amazing organization it's something that if people are interested in a career in law or just want to help and have the time I think worthwhile anybody getting involved with because we can always do with more people giving a helping hand to those people who need it yeah 100%, 100%. I suppose I suppose conversely you went all the way to South Africa to um, volunteer at the African Dawn Wildlife Sanctuary so I know some people will arrange these work experiences or volunteering experiences sorry themselves some of them will be arranged through university or school or college so how did this opportunity come around for you and I suppose similarly to the last work experience what did you get up to and what skills did you pick up um so I you know I was actually thinking about this earlier I actually can't remember exactly how it came about I feel like it was sort of like a friend of a friend had done I had done some work with this specific wildlife sanctuary um because obviously when you do these things you want to make sure that you're going to the right sort of places you know you don't want to mm. um you know there's a lot of a lot of uh ethically not so great um places out there so it, that was obviously really important to me like i i love animals so much i wanted to do this but i wanted to do it in the right way with you know a place that was making sure that they uh yeah they were like heavily involved in conservation a friend of a friend had um done some sort of similar experience and I think I just sort of inquired where she'd gone to do it and um yeah I just just got involved that way um yeah as I said earlier I'm love animals so much so I've always like wanted to do that my dream was to always go on like a safari day and I was able to do that when I was there which was literally like the best day of my life it was amazing the actual work itself um was pretty physically demanding so you wake up really really early um and you'd like go into where all the animals were and you'd feed them and you'd clean them out um and change their water and obviously if they were like cute ones then you'd give them a bit of like a cuddle as well obviously <laughs> some of them were actually really scary like they had vultures there and mm -hmm. they're terrifying so you'd literally like run like open the gate just slightly and like chuck in like a carcass because that's what they love <laughs> and then just run away <laughs> that was that was the scary one i didn't like doing the vultures but um they had sort of some various yeah, various different animals, lots of birds, um, and should have probably thought about what the actual animals were, but they <laughs> had these sort of like African deer there, which were so like gorgeous, um, and they were quite cuddly, and they had some like little monkeys, they were adorable. Um, so yeah, so when, so 
but basically yeah and then we'd sort of be able to clock off by sort of lunchtime which was good but the morning itself was pretty pretty tiring um and then sort of the afternoon was your own and you just sort of relax um and go to bed really early because you're waking up really early. <laughs> and then on um you'd have some days off so that was good because then we were able to sort of go um like go and do various like adventure things i'm not as much of like a thrill seeker as some of the people there so i wasn't doing the skydiving or the bungee jumping oh. i did the safari day and did some surfing and that was really cool i enjoyed that a lot so no cuddles for the vultures. Definitely no. You wouldn't want to cuddle a vulture. I don't think you'd make it out of that. <laughs> that's so. That sounds really, really cool though. Um, and you know, perfect that you got your afternoons off to do whatever you wanted because what a place to spend some some free time. Yeah, in South it Africa. was. It was not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose a lot of people write off volunteering because they just think, oh, you know. I don't want to give my time when actually I could keep applying for work experience and then get paid for the work I do. But, you know, mm. I'm personally of the view that volunteering experience gives you loads of value to add to your CV, which you may not get anywhere else. So would you say something similar do you, based on your experiences? Do you think that volunteering can really add value to applications, whether those be legal or not? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know volunteering is a fantastic thing to do um and i think if especially if you're passionate about what you're volunteering in like it's that i mean it is a it's a joy in itself so i think that it it it's that yeah you should it shouldn't be snuffed at it should really be embraced as a good as a good thing and sort of you you develop so many skills from volunteer at work that you know that aren't always that aren't always the skills that you develop in the workplace and so you know when I was in um working at the wildlife sanctuary in South Africa like I was there was mostly German people there <laughs> and I yeah and you sort of I um did do German at GCSE, not hugely successfully. Um, but I, it was, you know, a real lesson in sort of working at communication with people who, you know, neither your language, each other's languages are your first. And that was, that was something that, you know, I'm not going to experience in a, in a workplace in central London. So it was, that was really, really great. And it was, yeah, really positive, like meeting so many different people from all over the globe. That was great. And, I do think that, yeah, it's really important to value volunteering. Um, but I would, you know, curtail that with saying, like, do do it because you actually want to do it as well, not just for the, you know, for a, a CV, um, a CV mark, because I think that's how you get the most out of anything. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's really interesting. I'm quite tempted to call this episode just cuddling vultures and speaking German. <laughs> I think that would be a really interesting title. That's something we haven't heard about before, you know. Like, <laughs> what did you learn from that? Well, yeah, that's definitely something new. Uh, and like you mentioned, it's sort of like doing different um, experiences, volunteering gives you different sort of skills. 
And we also know that you've worked in different areas which were not strictly legal. For example, working as a sales assistant at Fenwick Limited, we have sort of discussed that in other episodes that there is sort of a belief, uh, in, let's say, in, among students potentially that when you're looking for a career in law, it's only legal work experience that is actually useful to getting a training contract. Um, what are your thoughts on on this? I mean, I definitely dis- disagree. I think that um, the that time working in mm-hmm. non legal companies, especially my time working at Fennec, because I was sixteen years of age, and that was really formative sort of what years for me, and it really as a job really helped me sort of builds a work ethic um, and also confidence in communicating with, you know, different people, different ages, different backgrounds. Um, I think that it was, yeah, that was really, really important. And I'm so glad that I did that. And obviously meant that I had a bit more of a fun um, A-level summer with a bit of pocket money. So <laughs> that was big as well. Um, but I think you can get so much out of non-legal work experience and it's great to have law firms on your CV, but I think what's really important is actually like, as I said earlier, like developing a a strong work ethic and you can do that in so many different workplaces. And I think that being able to actually, as like a 16 year old go wake up on a, Saturday morning much earlier than I would have liked and you know get my friend who drove to drive me up the drive me up the road to the you know to the department store and get in and like do organizing all that stuff on my by myself I think was really like formative for me being like organizing those things for myself um and wanting to work and wanting to you know give work as hard as I possibly could um I think was great and I've definitely brought brought elements of that into where I am now um and sort of the power of being enthusiastic and polite um which are things that you learn as sort of a Saturday girl in a department store um and they're not to be, yeah, they're not to be disregarded. I think they're important, important skills to have. Um. Absolutely. And that's kind of what um, Nick LaRiche was saying on his episode, because when we were speaking to him, I think one of the questions we asked was, what, how much emphasis does the firm place on legal work experience? Is it a, a no-go if somebody has no legal work experience? And he was saying, well, not at all, because the skills that you can pick up, you know, if you work at a cafe, you've got your time management, you've got, you know, your conversational skills, it can be dispute resolution if a customer is not particularly pleased, and just things that people will look over, simply because they don't think it's applicable to law, when actually, those are things that we do every single day. So, yes, Jenny, I'm just like, my. you can't see me, but I'm like raising my hands in the air and being like, yep, totally agree. Oh, same. <laughs> and those are skills that you can use on your applications you know even if if you don't have a particularly long or or any work experience yeah definitely Um, and some of the I mean I must confess I can't remember the exact questions that we had to 
fill out on our applications but like some of them can be really sort of like you know what what was the time that you had to deal with sort of conflict or something like that mm -hmm. and you can draw on any sort of experience there and it it shouldn't be yeah I think that it's really it is really important to have that to make sure that you draw on that variety of experience if you have it um and not think oh it's it's not valuable because it wasn't in an LLP <laughs> yeah definitely because in those questions like nobody's ever expecting you to say oh I I dealt with conflict when I went to the high court and resolved this dispute like yeah they're, they're they're expecting you to say things like oh I was working as a barista and a customer didn't wasn't keen on the coffee that I made oh so nobody's expecting you to come with these huge no. huge examples no. of when you've worked in a law firm and have you know what yeah. given legal services to the Queen of England and have mm -hmm. you know single-handedly yeah. saved the world yeah I, mean, I, think that's I have done that as well, but <laughs> I, I prefer to talk about my sales assistant experience. Standard Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to out, you know, when that yeah. time that you saved the whole of the UK from impending doom with your with your work experience. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, speaking of, you know, challenges you've overcome, like saving the whole of the UK, were there mm. any challenges that you encountered during your application process? It's a very traumatising time for some people to spend hours and hours on your applications mm. and you can get rejections or success so yeah. were there any challenges that you particularly faced and how did you overcome those challenges because I think it's something that pretty much every yeah. law student will face I mean they're horrible aren't they like we can all admit that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember being like I think I'd rather sit an exam than write an application like there's just something really about really like turning the spotlight on yourself and really having to dig into like why do you want this position it's really it's quite hard mm. um I mean they're really long and every single one seems to be very different um I think sort of not so much necessarily a challenge but I think definitely learning that it's quality over quantity um mm -hmm. and I think that that's yeah that's so important I mean properly researching any firm that you're going to apply for and develop like a genuine interest and passion for the firm that you're intending on applying for and it that makes the process so much easy e I won't use the word easy but a lot less difficult <laughs> um <laughs> because if you have you will have so much more to write about if you've got if you've got more to draw upon if you've got more to base your application on um I think you know friends of mine that would say oh I've applied for um sort of 50 law firms this week for a training contract and you think well they were obviously all just exactly the same applications and someone's gonna see through that in a heartbeat um mm -hmm. and so i think yeah definitely quality over quantity and really sort of trim down who you're applying for and think do i actually want to work at this place and i think that's really important yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that. I think every firm has its unique points and, you know, it must be a reason why uh, you choose to apply to one firm over another. 
And that's actually <laughs> a thing in the theme of applications and taking you back to this wonderful period <laughs> of your life. Um, let's let's just have a sort of a quick discussion about why BDB Pitmans was the firm that you chose to train at, given that there were so many firms out there and also that you had experience with a number of quality law firms. So my time as a legal administrator straight after I did the GDL and went to BDB. Um, uh, sorry, it's my email being annoying. Okay, sorry. Um, so I, I was a commercial real... Um, oh. Okay, I'll start again. Oh, yeah. I was an administrator in commercial real estate and that was, yeah, that was really, really, um, oh, I'm so sorry. My brain's just like gone to toffee. No, oh, that's fine. We go again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Uh, <laughs> just think of the vultures. It will yeah. be easier. <laughs> um. So I, I chose BDB because of the time that I spent there and because of the people that I've met. And when I was an administrator, um, I, I met like so many lovely people who were genuinely really interested in my development as like a young administrator that was quite, I was quite open about, oh yeah, I want to, you know, get a training contract. I want to be a solicitor. Um, and and people liked that and people liked speaking to me about that and it and it was it was just the environment really um that i felt really sort of yeah that this is the sort of place i'd like to work um as well as that it was the sort of range of practice areas that that the firm offered um because you know i i had certain areas of law that I'd had some experience in and wanted to continue having experience in, in my training contract, which I've been lucky enough to have. And therefore it was, it was really important that I went to a law firm that offered those as practice areas that one could do a seat in. And there you go. That's the perfect answer. Exactly what we were saying about, you know, having things to talk about in your application as to why you want to work at a firm, because I suppose every single firm will hear a lot of the same things over and over again but if you have something unique to say then that will pique somebody's interest when they're 70 applications deep on on a Tuesday in July reading through them all yeah yeah you want to try and stand out and you you've been with us as a trainee for a year and a half which mm -hmm. crazy to say that it's been a year and a half almost to the day that we that's actually mad isn't it oh, we're going into our final seat that's so scary <laughs> I, a year and a half today that we logged in on zoom and stared at each other yeah. thinking okay these are the other trainees in our cohort yeah <laughs> and, and since... we all knew we're gonna be friends for life <laughs> <laughs> well maybe not me and you jenny i'm not gonna speak to you after so <laughs> Oh, you know, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> but in that year and a half, you have been a very busy bee, and you've um, you've been involved in you know not only training with us, but also lots of extracurricular things like 
you're in the London CSR team, you're in the social committee for the London office throwing all the nice parties. And most recently, you've become a committee member for the firm's gender equality group, Breaking Even. And you did a very, very lovely presentation the other day. So congratulations on that. Thank you. I was terrified, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So what's it been like over the last year and a half training for you? And how have you found doing all these extracurricular things? How have you found like balancing the workload and do you think it's worthwhile people getting involved in these extra things that you've been involved in if they're training? Yeah, well, firstly, I've really enjoyed training at the firm. Um, met so many fantastic people that have really, you know, as I said earlier, um, one of the reasons I applied was like people being genuinely invested in your development. And I've really felt that. Um, and that's been great. And yeah, just couldn't really I couldn't really fault it to be honest met so many lovely people um and the work has been yeah really interesting so that has been great I, yeah I am a bit of a keen bean and get involved in the world <laughs> extracurriculars <laughs> um so yeah the the CSR um I actually I think I was a a member when I was a um an administrator so I think I just continued on the playlist when I (laughs) when I came came back um and I'm really passionate about sort of making sure that I'm at a firm that's like committed to making a difference um sort of you know not just locally but sort of like has sort of some invested um social responsibility so you know it's really it's really important that I was to get involved with that um and it's great to hear other people's ideas and you know with a new cohort of trainees that have joined and they're they're really passionate as well and some of them have got some fantastic ideas of things coming up so there should be some exciting things on the way involved in that um and then yeah i'm in the committee for shine and breaking even um and yeah breaking even is our new gender equity um working group so that's been really really exciting to help um to help launch and we had our launch event on tuesday and i was yeah we had catherine mayer come and speak to us um who's the co-founder of the women's equality party and that was i just thought she was so fascinating i it went really well the event i did do the introduction which i not sure yeah, which I wasn't so sure of, but I I conquered that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm I I love I'm like just one of those annoying keen people. I just love throwing myself into like all aspects of when you're working somewhere. Um, I love meeting different people. It's a great way to meet different people across the firm, especially if you're like, oh, we've got a shared interest in this. That's great, and you end up chatting to people from sort of like Cambridge um Southampton it's um yeah it's a really great way to meet people and it's a great way to sort of like people to meet you as well and to sort of like you know recognize you um especially when we did a lot of a lot of our training remotely and there's always a bit of a concern like oh like you know do I look the same as I do on zoom I hope you know who I am um, <laughs> so I think that's a really it's a good way to sort of like b- boost your profile not in a 
you know not in an annoying way but just in a in a nice way <laughs> <laughs> no definitely it's a great way and taking all these opportunities i mean congratulations congrats on doing all this because it's really impressive and you've done a pretty great job at it so yeah no, we keep doing that <laughs> it's, yeah. it's absolutely fantastic and you mentioned barrels the fact of recognizing people or from zoom and all that mm -hmm. stuff which has obviously been a you know quite a different experience that we've had as an intake compared to trainees in previous years because obviously a big chunk of our training has been uh, remote work so how have you found training remotely and now now that we are also partly in person how have you found this change so I definitely found remote working quite difficult and you must have had this like when we logged mm -hmm. on for, like week one and it was like okay we're literally just going to be like well, for me, like in my bedroom all week, <laughs> like, um, looking at computing, I, you know, it, it's really nice to get on well with the people that you work with. And so it's a shame that we like missed out on some of those initial things that we would have done, like a little, you know, trainee pub trip and, um, you know, having like lunches together and that sort of thing. Like that was, that was like disappointing to not be able to have those opportunities. Mm -hmm. But there are there are obviously like some good things about working from home. Um, mostly, probably around saving money on buying preps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, I definitely. I it is really nice that now we can go back into the office and we can see one another um, and meet our teams properly and have some of that, you know, that in person sort of. It's sort of um yeah being able to properly observe those around you and to really sort of you know learn by sort of osmosis in a way be able to be like okay you're um <laughs> so, you know you're just overhearing for example like a an solicitor on the telephone like negotiation speaking to clients um and that was something that we didn't get to do. So it's so nice to be able to have that now. And it's nice to, you know, be involved with the social events and those sorts of things and to see, yes, to see everyone. It is it is really great now that we have that in person. And I find that there's, there's more of a camaraderie between the team and also the trainees now that we're back in person, because as you say, you, when you're training remotely, you almost underestimate how how important it can be just to have that mm. social interaction and whether that be sitting in the in the kitchen having lunch with the other trainees or you know listening to a partner speaking to a client on the phone and giving them some advice you do you do pick up some skills um and you know having the good team relationship really does make a difference but it's hard yeah. to remember people's names when you haven't seen them on zoom like a hundred <laughs> times before you meet them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and on Zoom they have their names underneath them, so that's always handy. And <laughs> they don't have that in real life. <laughs> exactly. Why? Why is your name not floating below you the first time I've met you in office? And so I have to go on People Finder and figure out which person yeah. you are from the team. People Finder is a bit of a godsend, though. Apart from the people that don't have photos up, like <laughs> get that sorted because then I can identify everyone. <laughs> So as you said, we're about to go into our fourth and final scene, which mm. is a little bit scary. Um, but, you know, 
change is good and more experience is always good. So looking back on the three seats that you have completed or will have completed in an hour and a half, mm, um, oh gosh, how, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how have you found those three seats so far? You know, are there any that that have stood out to you as being something that you never thought you'd like as much or that you thought you'd really love and just haven't haven't clicked with as much as you thought you would? And any that surprised you for any kind of reason? Yeah, so I did um, PIP, so, um, and that I had been a planning paralegal before, so that was quite a nice initial seat with some sort of uh, background of the law um, and going into that. Uh, it, and the team were really, really lovely. Um, and it was a really and a real I I felt like a real, you know, conscious effort was made on behalf of the team to make sure that that, you know, us that hadn't met anyone in real life were, you know, got lots of welcome emails and, you know, give me a shout if I can do anything. And yeah, I think I yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. And then um I went to litigation and this was like a pleasant surprise for me because I always wanted to do a seat in litigation and it always intrigued me, but I didn't realize how much I'd enjoy it. Um, and it, yeah, it was so great. Um, I had a fantastic supervisor um, that, yeah, got me, in, got me involved in like a real range of work. And because BDB really do do a range of different sort of litigation work. So that was, I mean, that was so great to be involved with and actually getting involved with the fishmongers inquest that BDB um, were involved with. That was like a real privilege and a real standout of my training contract full stop. That was that was really great. Um, and so, yeah, that was a real pleasant surprise. Um, and then my seats that I'm wrapping up today, I did family, which I went to Reading for. Um, and yeah, that was like enjoyable as well as contentious and I think that was it was nice to sort of continue that element from litigation um obviously it's like different working directly with people and with that sort of emotional side um so it, it was maybe slightly different to what I expected it to be but it was yeah still really enjoyable and nice to go and work in work in the other office for a bit um, and get a feeling of sort of the culture and the dynamics there. Um, yeah, that was really great. Now that sounds like a really diverse sort of range of seats and very interesting, all of them. That's uh, great to hear that you enjoyed them actually uh, and that you were also pleasantly surprised by like litigation. And I think mm -hmm. the next question is a bit sort of flowing on from what we just asked you, but how do you think that you have developed as a lawyer throughout this uh, training contract process up to now? Mm, it's quite quite a difficult question. It, it is. I we think. like to put it on purpose. They should ask it on applications. Just Indeed. get rid of why law and just why do you think you've developed? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I mean, there's, oh, this is really hard. I think that this is what I mean. I'm not good at like writing. <laughs> I can talk about like more superficial stuff, but when it's actually really deep about how have you developed, I feel like definitely improved sort of like 
my confidence with because I think when you join a sort of like a first seat trainee it can be there is like a this sort of as much as you know it, it and I feel like BDB really does try to make it a real sort of like non-hierarchical work environment like there is that sort of like hierarchy there in terms of like you know some really like impressive senior members of the team um and I think that's definitely improved for me with sort of like confidence in speaking to like a variety of different people and not not getting shy or being nervous to ask questions because mm -hmm. that's how you get the most out of it I think the main thing is sort of that I feel like I've developed honest thinking out outside the box almost and thinking sort of ahead of necessarily what someone asks you to do um and that's something that it, it doesn't always come naturally but it's something that it's really good to you know when someone gives you a piece of work it's sort of learning not to just you know tick box done the piece of work send it back but actually be like okay so I've done this and I've thought about the next steps and I thought about maybe what our client would be interested and in, in and um and potentially what they're going to request next and what their thoughts are going to be and you know even if it's not necessarily like a hundred percent right making that sort of concerted effort to think forwards and think about you know do you go that step further um I think is is something that I've really you know tried to develop and really try and work on um and it is quite it's quite difficult to do but you know I, I'm getting there <laughs> <laughs> that's all you can ask for just trying your best and then you know you you'll get there in the end it's something that my first supervisor told me is that you'll never know everything but as long mm -hmm. as you try your best and that's all we can ask for clearly mm -hmm. you've been trying your hardest Jen so it's can... true <laughs> <laughs> And a question that we ask um, all of the trainees that come on, because I think a lot of us have a common consensus that just before you start your TC, you worry like, oh, what if, what if this happens? Or what if, what if I don't understand everything right from the start? Or what if this doesn't happen? You know, you, you, your head just starts spinning about all the possibilities mm -hmm. that could happen. On, and it's always the worst things that you think about. Yeah, what if I nights. get struck off before I even become a solicitor? <laughs> <laughs> what if my yeah, what if my first matter ends up in a horrible professional negligence claim? Like, what yeah, that, that would not be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know there are some horror stories out there, aren't there? I mean, I think when um, Soph and I first joined litigation, one of the partners sent around a story of a paralegal that had messed up massively and it had gone into sort of like. A, a news article and that you never want to be that person <laughs> you don't want to be the person turning up on legal cheek or roll on friday just no, training no, i want firms. to stay off that <laughs> <laughs> so um you know thinking back to the pre-tc scaries that people get mm. what would you tell your own self if you were talking to yourself from before starting the training contract about the training contract to ease those nerves This is another hard one. You've left all the hard ones. Yeah, we've got all the hard ones at the end. We lure you in with the easy ones and then right at the end, just Boom. punch you with the hard ones. Um, so I think I would really tell myself that like initiative and enthusiasm is key. Um, I think that I am generally quite an enthusiastic person anyway, but I think just 
sort of pushing yourself like as much as possible to get involved with things that you find interesting and just asking people because at the end of the day people like what they do on the whole and therefore if you approach someone and say oh you know what I I find what you're doing really intriguing and interesting would I be able to help out the majority of the time that is like a really big compliment to them and then they'll really want to get you involved and they'll really think of you and I found that like numerous times when I've been sort of like oh you know I feel like I haven't necessarily had you know an opportunity to get involved with x law um x area of law would I be able to get involved with that and people really like are flattered and are like yay I've found someone that's interested in the same thing (laughs) and so I think you know I don't think I'd really change anything, but just really keep that in mind and make sure, you know, be a bit pushy sometimes. And, you know, lawyers have a lot going on and it's sometimes the first thing in the top of their list might not be, you know, make sure the trainees are having interesting work. So just make sure that you're having interesting work and keep asking for it. Yeah, no, that's a very uh, good point, actually. Something that it's very easy not to do, like to... Not you know sit sit back and just wait for work to come to you or like, but like you say you have to be the one to take that initiative and most of the times like you say if you show interest in something people are doing they will be happy to to share it with you hopefully so yeah that's a very important point I think I absolutely agree with that and you'll be pleased to know we're on the last question too and we've obviously saved the <laughs> the biggest question let's say till the end just to mm. end in style of course. <laughs> Um, and that is, what is your biggest piece of advice to the generation of upcoming lawyers and those people that are interested in a career at BDB Pippins? So my biggest piece of advice... <laughs> oh, Go <gosh>. on, one take. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. Um Honestly, I think I sort of touched on it earlier, but I'll just go into it a little bit more. Um I think it's really, really think about where you want to train. Don't just think, oh, who's going to give me a training contract? I think like it's so easy to fall into a trap of just firing out applications like, you know, like nobody's business and praying that someone's going to give you a TC because you think that that's sort of like the, the golden ticket. And in a sense, it is. But in reality, it will come across it will be so obvious in the application process if you've just had like a flick through the homepage on the website you really need to do more than that and you really need to think about what do you actually want um I think that yeah if you've just created like a generic application and fire that off that's not going to come across well but similarly you know the other side of that that is if you've done your research if you've done some like you know without being too hippy dippy some self-reflecting of what you want and what you what sort of firm you want to be at I think that that will come across really well and like I was genuinely really passionate about joining BDB and therefore I feel like that did come across in my application and that did come across in my interview and on top of that, it means that you're going to have a better training contract. Because if you apply to work somewhere for two years that you don't really actually like, <laughs> then you're going to have a terrible time. And what's the point in doing that? Um, 
you know, BD, if you will end up in a position where you'll be with more like-minded individuals that are all, you know, really happy to be where they are. And it is a real privilege to get a training contract. So they're not easy and it is difficult, but I think honestly it would, it, the situation, the situation and the process is made much easier by actually considering where do you want to train and really thinking about what you want before just thinking, Oh, someone give me a TC. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say that's my big advice. <laughs> Perfect. What a banger to end on. <laughs> you drop, drop the mic and now the episode's are over. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> I have to, I have to, I have to pay Sophie to let me on. Um, it's just everyone right, pays it, and it's very good that you guys have set this up. It's very impressive. Thanks oh, for coming on, Jen. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this Hello Law podcast episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us a review to let us know what you think. And also don't forget to hit follow to avoid missing out on any new episodes. Again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.